0: Workforce Health Engagement Episode 9, What Pepsi's 7-Year Experiment Teaches About Workforce Health Engagement. Welcome to Workforce Health Engagement, a show exploring strategies to improve your employees' health and productivity and to protect your bottom line. Join us as industry experts discuss how to engage employees in population health management, wellness, and healthcare consumerism. This is a special series by the producers of the top-rated podcast, Engaging Leader. And now, with 20 years of experience as a communication consultant to Fortune 500 companies, helping engage hundreds of thousands of employees, here's your host, Jesse Leahy. Welcome to the show, Engagers. Earlier this year, the nonprofit research group, Rand Corporation, released yet another study questioning the return on investment of workplace wellness. The study found that wellness can improve employee health and reduce costs if the employer strategically engages employees beyond industry-standard lifestyle management tactics. Now, last May, the RAND Wellness Program study, which was commissioned by the U.S. Department of Labor, estimated that workplace wellness saves the average employer only about $157 per employee per year. However, one of the criticisms of that study was that it included only small or it it, it included among other employers a lot of small employers with as few as 50 employees. And when you think about it, they are less likely to those smaller employers are less likely to invest in things like high quality analysis and planning and 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 more effective programs and uh, world class communications in other words for larger companies able to afford what we might call best practice wellness the ROI might actually be more impressive so that that was the argument against the May 2013 RAND study so Now you have Pepsi, a Fortune 100 employer with 67,000 health plan participants who are eligible to participate in Pepsi's wellness program, which they call Healthy Living. Now, the Healthy Living wellness program has been around for more than seven years, and so Rand studied seven years of data from Pepsi. And so the new study that was released in January of 2014 was based on those seven years of experience. So today I want to talk about the highlights of what that study found and then what can we learn from that in terms of workforce health engagement. So first of all, the research team at RAND found that the Healthy Living Wellness Program reduced Healthcare spending by thirty dollars per member per month, so about three hundred and sixty dollars per year for each of those, on average, for those sixty-seven thousand plan participants. For every dollar that Pepsi spent on program vendors and screenings, a dollar fifty was returned in savings. So on the surface, that sounds like fifty well, percent ROI. Not so bad. But when you think about it, $360 a year is a drop in the bucket compared to the $10,000 or more in average healthcare cost per employee. It's not a very exciting uh, ROI for a seven year long investment. But the story gets worse. <laughs> That's my. Attempt at minor key music to just emphasize the story getting worse. The results were more troubling when the Rand researchers differentiated healthy living into two components. So it's it's actually to say it's just a wellness program is overly simplified. It actually has two different components. And when Rand did its earlier study released in 2013, it evaluated, uh, differentiated all the, the programs that it was looking at into two components. And so it, does, it, it they did the same thing with the Pepsi data. So the two components that ran differentiated into are lifestyle management and disease management. Now let me quickly define those. Lifestyle management, uh, by Rand's definition, are activities and programs designed to help employees avoid or reduce health risks such as smoking, poor nutrition, and physical inactivity in order to improve well-being and prevent the development of serious health problems, which are, of course, more expensive health problems, too. Now, disease management... So that's kind of all about prevention, let's say. Disease management is designed to help employees who already have a chronic condition, such as heart disease or asthma, to help them take better care of themselves, for example, by educating them about treatment options or reminding them to take their prescribed medications. Now, disease management can be, well, let me take a step back and say, so lifestyle management tends to be what people typically think of in terms of wellness. It sounds positive. People like to have wellness benefits. Uh, it gets more controversial when you get into biometric screenings and the, the what, what Al Lewis, for example, calls the pry poke and prod method. But generally speaking, lifestyle management is education and promotion that's typically positive, positively perceived. Disease management can be trickier to communicate because it tends to bring up the idea of somebody, some external person calling me, bugging me to uh, take action with a certain condition I have. I'm not even sure I'm happy that these people even know that I have a condition. Um, maybe they're going to try to control me or not let me to get certain types of treatment that I think I should get. But when communicated right, it can be pretty effective and very helpful to employees and patients. There's a story that I like to share a lot about a, 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 an HR director that I know whose son had asthma and she had their family had 5 ER visits in a single month related to the son's asthma and besides the fact that that costs a lot of money to the company who the heck wants to spend 5 times uh, in a single month in the ER just just go, that alone the inconvenience and the hassle but obviously, the, just how scary that would be for the family and especially for the son to have to go through that. Well, those five ER visits prompted the disease management provider to contact the family. And they agreed to talk to the health coach and got some very helpful information that they put into practice and have never needed a single ER visit since. That is, to sorry to use a uh, cliche, that's a win-win. The family avoided all that, that scary uh, things that happen with asthma, as well as all the hassle of the ER. And the company, of course, saved all that expense on ER visits, which is something like often $1,200 or so on average per visit. So um, disease management may be less well-known, But it offers some real potential for helping people and saving money. Now, maybe not surprisingly, when Rand evaluated Pepsi, their program, into those two components, it made the $30 per member per month, or that that 50% ROI, kind of more troubling, because they found out that most of the savings, the vast majority of the savings, came from the disease management components. For every dollar that Pepsi spends on disease management, they saved $3.80. That was driven in large measure by nearly 30% reduction in hospital admissions. What about the lifestyle management component? For every dollar they spent on disease management, it only saved 50 cents. So a much smaller return on investment. So a $3.80 return for disease management, only $0.50 return for lifestyle management. When you combine all the total, it was an average of $1.50 return. So at first glance, you look at this data and you say, well, we should scrap all the lifestyle management components of what we would call our wellness program and only focus on disease management. In fact, so is that what Rand is saying? Is it a waste of money and effort for employers to promote healthy lifestyles? No. Rand acknowledged in their study that some lifestyle management goals and practices are effective. So there are certain things you can do that are effective, there are others that are wasteful or maybe even harmful. It really all goes back to the need to be re- looking at your data, analyzing your data, and deciding what's really working and what's not, and then making tweaks from there. So, Rand said employers should not blindly spend money on wellness programs that are pitched by vendors. Let me look at, let's talk about six takeaways that we can learn from the Pepsi results as evaluated by RAND, in terms of workforce health engagement. Number one, set clear goals. RAND's research shows that lifestyle management can reduce health risks such as smoking, obesity, and lack of physical activity, but the cost savings may not be realized for years or even decades. So they're saying that there are certain health risks that lifestyle management type activities and communications can make a difference in but it could take years or decades for that to save the company money. So you need to think about what your goals are for your program. Maybe your goals are more just recruitment re- related and you don't care about do we are we actually going to make employees healthier while they're still here. On the other hand, some of our clients at AspenDell Communications have very long-term employees. They don't have a lot of turnover. It's very common for employees to stay there for decades. And so for a company like that, it is well worth it to invest in uh, lifestyle management activities because if you can get them to stop smoking or to manage their weight better, or to get more physical activity, that's going to pay off for you 5 and 10, 15, 20 years down the road. And I think that's the promise that most, it seems common sense when you think about wellness, why companies are investing in it. It seems like, well, we promote wellness and it's going to reduce our long-term costs. And yes, that's true, but it's often a lot longer term than relative to turnover at your organization. So you need to think about that and make sure your goals are clear. Disease management programs tend to have benefits that are, are realized in the shorter term. So if you have, if, in, when you look at your data, if you have uh, si- significant issues with heart disease and diabetes and emphysema, for example, then you can do some z- disease management programs with effective interve- with interve- intervention that truly could be effective in helping people avoid heart attacks and amputations and pneumonia. So for example, we have a client that evaluates their, their evaluated their data several years ago and found that cardiovascular disease, was the biggest driver of their health care costs. And so they did several interventions that both from a disease disease management perspective but also from a lifestyle management because they had longer service employees that was worth it because cardiovascular was such a a big issue in their data, both heart attacks as well as diabetes. And so... They were able to set some very clear goals and then evaluate their data against those goals and make some changes over time to make sure that their strategies were effective. Some things they tried and worked and others didn't work and some worked but they could do better. And then lo and behold, after a while in the data, they started seeing a a growing instance of cancer and also a growing instance of addiction to narcotic medications. And so those started to become secondary uh, thrusts in their interventions. So number one, set clear goals. Number two, don't forget broader goals. So the headlines about this Pepsi study focus on reducing the employer's health care costs. And a lot of us who are worried about thinking about workforce health engagement have a clear focus on costs, but on healthcare costs. But there's other issues besides just healthcare costs. For example, employee productivity. And the RAND study acknowledged that, okay, maybe lifestyle management has a pretty modest ROI in the short term, but it does also improve employee productivity. For example, at, at Pepsi, absenteeism was reduced by one hour per employee per year. And, and whether or not that's a significant ROI is is uh, up for debate. but when you aren't just implementing a certain wellness program, for example, as a program of the day, and instead, it you have a an integrated, health engagement strategy that for example maybe is part of a broader strategy to develop a, a culture of health then your programs can work together to improve not only healthcare costs and productivity but also recruitment for example you might be successful in attracting healthier employees in the first place and so your that over time will reduce your healthcare costs it may not r- improve health of any one particular person but your workforce on average will be healthier and it probably if it's healthier it's going to have more energy and focus as well also if you have a culture of health that improves your employees trust in management and trust of course is a huge factor in employee engagement and productivity And the company's ability to change as needed based on environmental and strategic issues. So you may or may not want to be overly focused on a specific goal such as health care costs. You should set clear goals, but be thoughtful about what those what's are appropriate goals for your organization. Number three, invest wisely based on your goals. So it doesn't make any sense to set some goals and then just start blindly implementing wellness vendor programs. For example, RAND was critical of programs that just screen all employees for health risks and then offer one-to-one, well, let's just say let me just stop there. They they're critical where you have a, a you push a bunch of screenings for all employees and and not that there's anything necessarily wrong with that, but that the there's no point in doing that unless you're going to offer some resources to people who do, who, who do come up showing risk. So if you offer one-to-one counseling and coaching, that's a helpful next step toward screenings. But to do those things is pretty expensive. Now, depending on what your goals are, there's other interventions that are a lot less expensive. So Rand suggested offering healthy food choices and launching educational campaigns to use the stairs. Those are a couple examples that Rand said. Those are, relatively speaking, pretty inexpensive compared to the cost of biometric screenings for everybody and one-to-one counseling and coaching for anybody who uh, gets flagged as, a, as having a health risk. No, I should mention that episode six of work in workforce health engagement is about offering healthier food options in the workplace. We interviewed Allison Asera from the food service provider Guggenheimer. and it's interesting. Right as we speak, we're helping one large Fortune 500 manufacturer uh, have an ongoing educational and motivational campaign to encourage. Its employees to get more movement on a daily basis. Uh, we're calling it move a little, move a lot to create awareness on the dangers of inactivity. You know, you may have heard Tom Rath, for example, who we featured in our episode number two, has said that sitting is the new smoking. And a lot of people don't realize that there are health dangers over the long term from inactivity and so there if you can get that information across to people but also do it in motivational ways to both remind them and inspire them to get some take advantage of little opportunities throughout the day to get movement and then maybe set some goals some bigger goals to get uh, larger amounts of physical physical activity so if you have the right kinds of messages and then you do you set you send those messages in a multiple in a variety of media and creative ways to catch attention, make people stop and think about it, especially using visual different types of visual communications whether that's posters or rotating slides on monitors or there's some really interesting environmental graphics. For example, you can put messages on your stairs and the stairwells that people would never even just catch people's attention because it's so unexpected. It's some interesting ways to do those kinds of educational campaigns, which are, are relatively inexpensive in comparison to other types of health interventions. So think about what your goals are, it's clear goals, and then invest wisely based on those goals. Make sure that what you spend, ha- that the return on investment is going to be worth it. Number four, take an integrated approach to communicating those two components, the disease management and lifestyle management. Now, this is really interesting. Because, okay, we the it sounded like the lifestyle management was pretty... Unimpressive compared to disease management, but what Pepsi, what Rand found in the Pepsi data, is that among people who participated in both disease management and lifestyle management, the savings were better. hundred and sixty dollars per member per month, which is about nineteen hundred and twenty dollars per year, with a sixty-six percent drop in hospital admissions. Now, the danger is that so many employers offer programs in silos. Okay, here's our disease management program. Okay, here's our wellness program. It's a lot more powerful to take an integrated approach and communicate both components consistently together and consistently with the overall employer brand. Again, if you're just trying to plug in a program of the day and, and, hey, we offer this and, and call the vendor for that, Things are just, they're not as effective. They feel uh, disconnected with no context. But when you take the time to brand everything together in a way that's consistent with your overall employer brand, it has a lot more meaning to employees. They understand why you are offering certain programs or why you're making certain changes and that they understand the context too and can see, okay, maybe some things feel good and some things feel like bad news, but altogether I can see that my employer actually cares about me and not just as a human resources, but as a person, as an individual. So again, at Pepsi, When employees only participated in disease management and not the lifestyle management, they got a lower ROI. When they did both, it was a higher ROI. That's not going to happen for very many people unless you are communicating them in a cohesive, integrated fashion. So take an integrated approach to communicating the two components. That's number four. Number five is develop an integrated communications approach for all your workforce health management components. So beyond just those two, think about all the aspects of your healthcare strategy and make sure that you are truly leveraging the synergies among them and not just communicating them or letting them live in a silo. I'll give you an example. We have a longtime client who... Offers uh, on-site medical care. They have on-site nurse practitioners, and they also have other components of their healthcare strategy, including uh, direct contracts. They have a they have a broader PPO network, but they also have a narrow network of direct contracted hospitals who are working much more collaboratively with the company's medical director and their on-site health coaches. And they also offer care coordination for complex care. And they offer telemedicine. And it's really by communicating all these components together that employees are willing and their families are willing to take advantage of them to go use those preferred Providers, because otherwise you just have this company who's saying, hey, uh, when you have complex needs, we encourage you to go to this hospital. We think it's better. And when even when you have routine needs, we encourage you to go to this hospital because we think it's better. Now, if it's purely just communicated on uh, by itself in a silo, employees have no reason to actually trust the employer about that. It just, most employees are going to think, well, they're just, the company's just trying to save money, and the, uh, it's more convenient for me to go to this closer hospital. Um, I know the doctor at my local hospital. I trust that that doctor. Why should I drive an extra hour uh, to go to the hospital that my company wants me to go to, just so they can save money? They don't really believe that you are you're encouraging this in a win-win. Arrangement that it's for the employee's best interest too, but at this company, because for years they've been building employees' trust level in the medical director and in their on-site nurse practitioners, the employees are much more likely to listen and act on their guidance. So when the medical director says, "Look, uh, I want—I know it's further away, but for this condition that you have, I want you to drive four hours and go to." this particular hospital because they're just the best at that. This is a much more appropriate place to get that kind of care. Over time, the company has invested in the overall branding of their healthcare program and in the credibility of the medical director and on-site health coaches. So basically, they think that the medical director is a rock star. And when he tells them to go to a certain place, the employees listen and and trust him. And over time, that, that credibility has also been built in the nurse practitioners. And so a lot of the times when the nurse practitioners recommend that they go somewhere that's in alignment, by the way, with the company's strategy and the direct contracts and so forth, the employees trust them and uh, follow that advice. So that integrated communication for all those components, that's going to include some branding. It'll also include frequent communications about the what and why about all the components and why they work together. And especially with some personal stories and testimonials About this component, what it meant to me, how it worked, uh, what the health coach told me to do and how it worked for me. And uh, I'm so glad that we have this nurse practitioner. She really cares about me as a person. When you get real people sharing those kinds of testimonials, it increases the overall trust of employees in the program. So develop an integrated communications approach for all your workforce health management components. That's number five. And then the last one, number six, make execution and engagement top priorities. In the RAND study, they pointed out it doesn't work to just buy a wellness program, plug it in, and hope it works. The employers who have achieved better results have learned to engage employees and achieve fundamental behavior change. What's the point there? The point is that just because you plug in a wellness program doesn't mean it's going to work. Just because a wellness program has communications to support it doesn't mean those communications are effective. The question is, are they developed in a way that is actually going to connect with your employees, that's going to drive and influence their behaviors? If they're boring or if they're low quality, they may actually hurt the credibility of the program. If they don't fit your company's culture and your employer brand, they may send mixed messages or they may simply uh, just turn off employees and cause employees to ignore them. But it could be even worse than that if it's conflicting. I'll give you an example. We have a client that has a largely male workforce and the communications that were going to employees were the traditional healthcare type communications with flowers and uh, pastel colors and pictures of concerned older women and so forth. And they totally did not connect with this workforce. A largely male workforce doesn't care about healthcare They don't care about flowers and pastel colors. They care about being strong. They care about being able to provide for their families. And so when we revamped the overall brand and appealed to those deeper motivations that were within that particular workforce, it was much more effective. Employees paid attention. Uh, It took a little while to develop the trust that the company wasn't just trying to manipulate them, but uh, over a little bit of time, they started doing uh, what the company was asking them to do. They started following doctor's orders, if you will. I was just recently in a meeting uh, on a slightly different topic. Uh, I know today we're talking about physical health, but I was working with a, a very large manufacturer about their financial wellness program and one of the their vendors was in uh, was Fidelity Investments who is their 401k provider and Fidelity was saying that they've learned over time that on their website that employees use the specific words that Fidelity puts in the headings of their different features on their website dr- create ha- have a huge impact on whether people take action. So just having a feature on a website doesn't actually drive behavior. It was does that spe- does the specific wording actually appeal to the employees' motivations? So don't necessarily feel like, "Oh, well, our we've got our you know, you're supposed to have such and such in our wellness program and great news, our wellness prevent- provider includes that. Just because there's a certain feature doesn't mean people will actually take advantage of it. Uh, Fidelity also shared some of their statistics about what gets used on their web tools. And some of the features that I remember them rolling out about five years ago with great fanfare get hardly any activity. Uh, Of course, there's other features that get a lot of activity, but So Fidelity is doing some things great, but again, a feature can sound good, but if it's not executed well and not thoughtful about truly engaging people, it's not going to be effective. So number six, make execution and engagement top priorities. All right, Engagers, so those are six lessons we can learn about Pepsi's seven-year experiment with Workforce Health Engagement. On our show notes for this episode, we'll provide links to the RAND study about Pepsi and about their earlier study that they did for the Department of Labor. We'll also include a link to a blog post that I wrote right after the Pepsi study was released. You can find those show notes at engagingleader.com forward slash w h e. Nine, as in workforce health engagement, episode nine. And while you're on the show notes page, you can engage with us by providing your thoughts or questions in the comments section, or by clicking the red send voicemail button. You can also engage with us at facebook.com/forward/slash/engagingleader, or on Twitter where I am at Jesse Leahy. Workforce health engagement is a production of Asmundale Communications, a consulting firm that specializes in workforce communications. Helping mid-sized and large employers attract top talent, engage employees, and deliver superior business results. In several areas, not only health engagement, but also talent management, benefits and compensation, business transformation, and more. Find us at AspendaleCommunications.com. If you enjoy this series, be sure to check out the leadership podcast, Engaging Leader, where my guests and I share ways to communicate, engage, and lead with greater impact. You can find both Workforce Health Engagement and Engaging Leader podcasts in iTunes, Stitcher, and on our website at engagingleader.com. Our thanks to Joe Sherwood, our producer, Tom Hitchcock, our programming director, Cecily Leahy, our web intern, Rick Tarrant, our announcer, and Max Brody, who composed our theme music. Until next time, remember, over the long term, a program of the day won't help you boost employee health, productivity, and your bottom line. For sustainable success, you need an integrated approach to workforce health engagement.